Chapter 11 of the Sikh Religion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Om123. The Sikh Religion, Its Gurus, Sacred Writings, and Authors by Max Arthur McAuliffe. Volume 1. Chapter 11. The Guru proceeded to the river Rabi and thence to Lahore. The Lahore territory was then farmed from the emperor by a millionaire Khatri, whose name was Dunichand. He was performing the ceremony of Srad for his father when he heard of the devout Nanak's arrival. He took the Guru to his house and treated him with great affection. When everything was ready for the anniversary feast, Dunichand began to feed the Brahmans. The Guru, on being summoned, asked what the matter was. Dunichand replied that it was his father's rod and that he had fed one hundred Brahmans in his name. The Guru replied, It is now two days since thy father had eaten anything, and yet thou sayest that thou hast fed one hundred Brahmans for him. Dunichand asked, where his father was. The Guru replied that he had become incarnate in a wolf, which was now in a clump of trees six miles distant. The region his father's soul had entered a wolf was that while he was in human birth, he had coveted meat which his Sikh was cooking, and had died in that desire. The Guru, on seeing several flags over Dunichan's door, asked what they were. It was explained that each flag denoted a lakh of rupees which Duni Chand had acquired. On this, the Guru gave him a needle and told him to keep it until he asked for it in the next world. Duni Chand took the needle to his wife and told her to put it by for the purpose indicated. She believed him crazed and asked how a needle would go to the next world. She accordingly charged him to return it to the Guru. Dunichand took the needle with his wife's message to the Guru, who said, If such a small and light thing as a needle cannot go to the next world, how can thy wealth reach there? Upon this, Dunichand fell at his feet and prayed him to tell him by what means his wealth should reach the next world. The Guru replied, Give some of thy wealth in God's name, Feed the poor, and thy wealth shall accompany thee. Upon this, Dunichand distributed seven lakhs of treasure, for he understood that disobedience to the Guru's order would militate against his salvation. He then became a disciple of the Guru, and began to repeat the name. Guru Nanak uttered the following on the occasion. False are kings, false their subjects. False the whole world, false are mansions, false palaces, false those who dwell therein. False is gold, false silver, false he who weareth them. False the body, false raiment, false peerless beauty. False husbands, false wives, they pine away and become dust. Man who is false loveth what is false, and forgetteth the Creator with whom contract friendship. 
let a whole world pass it away. False is sweetness, false honey. In falsehood she blows a drought. Nanak humbly asserted, Except thee, O God, everything is thoroughly false. The Guru went in an artist direction and took up his post on the bank of the Rabi. His arrival there caused great excitement and everyone went to see him. He was universally held to be a man of God. All who visited him went away pleased. Every verse that he composed was at once published abroad. He used to compose verses like the following, which Fakir sang to the accompaniment of reeds. Falsehood is at an end, Nanak, truth at last prevaileth. There was only the one name mentioned in the Guru's dwelling, and he became the object of great popular admiration. A millionaire official who dwelt in a neighboring village began to depreciate the Guru. He said, Who is this person whose name is repeated by everyone, as if he were a god? though he is only mortal like ourselves. The Hindus are being perverted, and even the Muslims are losing their faith. Come, let us imprison him. When the speaker mounted on his horseback, the animal shied and threw him. Next day he again mounted, but as he proceeded on his way, became blind and had to alight. Those who witnessed his calamity were afraid to make any remark, save that Nanak was a great saint. They, however, suggested to the millionaire that he should do homage to the Guru. Upon this, he began to praise the Guru, and those who were with him bowed towards the Guru. The millionaire again mounted his horse, intending this time to go and supplicate the Guru, but immediately fall down. His companions addressed him, Thou hast made a mistake in going on horseback, Go on foot, that thou mayest be pardoned. He took this advice. On arriving at a spot whence the Guru's residence could be seen, he recovered his sight and began to make salutations in the Guru's direction. On arriving in his presence, he fell at his feet. The Guru was pleased and made him his guest for three days. The millionaire, in honor of the Guru, founded a village which he called Kartarpur, on the margin of the Ravi, and built a sixth temple therein, both of which he dedicated to the Guru. One day a fanatical Brahman came to the Guru and baked for alms. The Guru, who was at his breakfast, invited the Brahman to join him. The Brahman replied that he would not eat food in that way. He would only eat what he had cooked himself. He would first dig up the art to a depth of a cubit, so that all impurity of the surface might be removed, and he would also make a cooking square into which none but himself might enter. He would then dig a span deeper and make a fireplace on which he would put firewood which he had washed, so that no insects might be burned in it. The Guru had not attended to these formalities and the Brahman spawned food otherwise cooked. The Guru told him he would give him uncooked vines which he might cook himself. He then went outside and began to dig up the art, but wherever he dug he only turned up bones, 
poets deemed a still greater abomination than the Guru's food. He continued digging all day, but with the same result. At last, overcome by hunger, he went and threw himself at Nanak's feet and asked for the cooked food he had previously rejected. The Guru was pleased to gratify him and then composed the following. Cooking places of gold, vessels of gold, lines of silver far extended, Ganges water, fire-root of the Karanta tree, eating rice boiled in milk. O oh, my soul, these things are of no account, until thou art saturated with the true name. Hadst thou the eighteen Purans with thee, couldst thou recite the four Vedas? Didst thou bathe on holy days and give alms according to man's castes? Didst thou fast and perform religious ceremonies day and night? Wert thou a Kazi, a Mullah, or a Sheikh, a Jogi, a Jangam? Didst thou wear an ochre-coloured dress? Or didst thou perform the duties of a householder without knowing God? That would bind and take all men away. The duties of all creatures are recorded on their heads. They shall be judged according to their acts. Foolish and ignorant man issue orders. Nanak, the true one, had storehouses of praises. The Guru initiated the practice of singing hymns in the end of the night. A boy seven years of age used to come to listen and stand behind him. When the singing was over, he used quietly to depart. One day, the Guru ordered his servants to obtain the boy in order to discover the object of his continual attendance. He was accordingly brought before the Guru, who asked him, O oh boy, why comes thou so early in the morning to listen to hymns? This is the time of life for thee, to eat, play, and sleep. The boy replied, Sir, one day my mother, bade me light the fire. When I put on the oot, I observed that the little sticks burned first, and afterwards the big ones. From that time I have been afraid of early death. It is very doubtful whether we shall live to be old, and so I attend thy religious gatherings. The Guru was much pleased on hearing this wisdom from the child's lips, and said, He spoke like an old man, Buddha. On that occasion, the Guru composed the following. In the briny, unfathomable ocean, the fish did not recognize the net. Why did the very clever and beautiful fish have so much confidence? It was caught through its own doing. That cannot be averted. O oh, my brethren, know that in like manner that hangeth over your heads. Man is like the fish upon which the net falleth unawares. The whole world is bound by death. Without the Guru, death cannot be destroyed. They who are imbued with the true one, and have abandoned worthless mammon, are saved. I am a sacrifice unto those who are found true at the gate of the true one. That is like the hawk among the birds, or the huntsman, with the news in his hands. They whom the Guru preserveth have been saved. All others have been entrapped by the bait.
They who purges not God's name shall be rejected. No one will assist them. God is the truest of the true, and His place is the truest of the true. They who obey the true one meditate on Him in their hearts. Even the perverse who obtain divine knowledge under the Guru's instruction are pure. Make supplication to the true Guru to unite thee with the friend. When man meeteth the friend, he obtaineth happiness, and the myrmidons of death poison themselves. I abide in the name, and the name abideth in my heart. Without the Guru all is darkness, without the word nothing can be known. By the Guru's instruction light shineth, and man continueth to love the True One. That and taught not where the soul's light is blended with God's. Thou, O God, art the friend, thou art wise, it is thou who unitest man with thee. Under the Guru's instruction, O man, praise him who hath no end or limit. That and taught not where there is incomparable word of the Guru. By God's order, all sentient beings were produced. By God's order, they performed their functions. By God's order, they are in the power of death. By God's order, they are absorbed in the True One. Nanak, what pleaseth God shall happen. There is nothing whatever in the power of His creatures. The boy, to whom the above hymn was addressed, was subsequently known as Vai Buddha on account of the complimentary expression of the Guru. He was held in such high estimation that he was commissioned to confer the tilaks or patches of guruship on the first five successors of Guru Nanak. Kalu, with all his people, proceeded to where his son, the Guru, had fixed his habitation. Sikh societies then began to be formed. The Guru took off his extraordinary costume and dressed in a more conventional manner. With a cloth around his waist, a sheet over his shoulder, and a turban on his head, he looked the impersonation of holiness. The string of his fame rose to heaven, it was said, like that of a kite. Everyone addressed him, Hail Nanak, a great saint, had been born in the world. At Kartarpur, a watch before day, the Jabji and the Asaki war was repeated. Then followed reading and expounding of the Guru's hymns until a watch and a quarter after sunrise. This was succeeded by singing and the reading of the Arati, Gagan Maital. After this, breakfast was served. In the third watch, there was again singing, after which the evening, the Sodar was read. Then the six all dined together. The repast ended with further singing. After a watch of night had elapsed, the Sohila was read, and everyone then retired. The Guru, when not engaged in prayer, occupied himself during the day in Kartarpur in giving instruction to all who sought it. He thus delivered himself to Malo and Vago on the subject of Hindu penances. To burn in fire, to abide long in water, to fast, to endure heat and cold, to hold up one's arm permanently, to do penance with the body reversed, to stand for a long time on one leg, 
to live on forest tubers and roots, to abide on the margins of the rivers, to wander over the world as a pilgrim, to fast at full moon, all such penances are walks of darkness. The Guru does express himself on the subject of the devotional exercises of the Sikhs. To recall the wandering mind from the destruction of the senses, and then employ it in a pious discourses, and in devoutly singing and listening to the songs of praise of the Almighty. Know that these are meritorious acts which may be easily performed. They involve but little labor and bring great reward. The Hindu penances, on the contrary, involve great trouble, while only small recompense is obtained therefrom. The Guru replied to a man called Kalu, who had asked him for a definition of a holy man. Recognize him as holy in whom who are to be found friendship, sympathy, pleasure, and the welfare of others, and dislike of evil company. In the first place, the intentions of holy man are pure. Secondly, they are pleased on hearing the praises of others. Thirdly, holy man serve the virtuous. Fourthly, they honor those who can impart to them learning and good counsel. Fifthly, as there is a periodical craving for food or intoxicants, so they feel a craving for the Guru's word and for divine knowledge. Sixthly, they love their wives and renounce other women. Seventhly, they avoid subjects from which quarrels may arise. Eighthly, they serve those who are superior to themselves in intelligence or devotion. Ninthly, even if strong, they are not arrogant and trample not on others. Tenthly, they abandon the society of the evil and only associate with the holy. Two Sikhs called Vakta and Ori asked Guru Nanak how rest was to be obtained and transmigration avoided. The Guru replied as follows, You shall find rest by avoiding Manmukh Karm, perverse acts. Being asked to define Manmukh Karm more particularly, the Guru replied, It is to be heartily envious of everyone, to desire that worldly wealth and all happiness should forsake others and come to oneself, to suffer great pain as one beholdeth the houses and property of others, to believe all man one's enemies, and do good to no one. Expel all this evil from your hearts. In the second place, the perverse man is proud and relentless to everyone. When he sees such and such a person inferior to himself, he never advised him, nay, he laughed at him and treated him with contempt, saying, He is not equal to my lofty intellect. In the third place, the perverse man is addicted to slander. But do you renounce it and never utter it? If anyone praise another who is superior to him, he cannot endure it, nay, he become at rot, saying, Oh, I am well acquitted with him. In this way he uttereth slander. How can he, who is proud of his efforts and envious of others, ever pauses excellence? In the fourth place, if the perverse man receive advice, he will not act on it through obstinacy, nay, he will perversely do the reverse. These vices, envy, pride, slander, and obstinacy belong to the perverse. Relinquish them, 
acting as trees do when they drop their leaves in autumn. The Guru was asked why the words Satnam, the true name, were always written as an introduction to his hymns. He replied, The name is the god of all gods. Some propitiate Durga, some Shiv, some Ganesh, and some other gods. But the Guru's Sikhs worship the true name and thus remove all obstacles to salvation. Accordingly, the prefatory words, the true name, are written in all compositions. End of chapter 11a